Imagine surrounding yourself with incredible women, women who've overcome challenges, they've rebounded after failures and disappointments, and women who are not afraid to shine their brilliance to make a mark in the world. These women support other like-minded women because they know there is plenty of opportunity for everyone and that together we really can make a difference, grow our businesses while have fun along the way. This is what Women in Leadership Podcast is all about. Welcome. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Grab a cover of your favorite beverage, pull up a chair and let's get this conversation started. Welcome to another episode. Now, my guest today says, if you know your wish, your want and walk figure, you'll walk into any negotiation. So this is even if you are in business or you are an executive in corporate, you will walk into any negotiation with less stress and anxiety. And joining me to talk about this on today's show is Maggie Palmer. Now, Maggie, she founded PEP talk her after her own experience of inequality at work. Now, she has personally coached women to receive raises as small as an extra $5 an hour. But guess what? It added up to over $1,000 over the year. Now, she's coached those women and even women all the way up to negotiate multiple six bigger raises. How does she do that? What did she coach her clients on? Well, uh, we're going to find out in today's show. Now, Pep Talk Her was founded out of frustration and possibility. The gender pay gap does exist and data still says it's going to take hundreds of years for that to change. Now, Pep Talk Her was started to take action and to galvanize change now, it's a five-year mission to see 50-50 women in leadership and to close that gender pay gap. Now, specifically on today's show, Mika is going to share the importance of knowing and remembering your worth. It really does start with that. Uh, what you can do today to set yourself up for performance review and future pay rise, no matter when your next pay increase conversation is, as well as how to calculate the exact number you should ask for when negotiating your pay. Welcome to the show, Maggie. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. You've sort of listed all of my favorite nerdy topics to talk about, like salary negotiations. So yeah, this will be a really juicy conversation. For oh, me. it certainly will. And uh, <laughs> before we dive in, as I mentioned uh, before, whether you are someone who is in the workplace and you're wanting to position yourself for a pay rise, for you know that next level up, so to speak, um, even if you're an entrepreneur, everything that you're going to talk about today is very relevant because you're negotiating with clients, programs, packages, contracts, all those sorts of things. And it really does stem down to knowing and remembering your worth. Let's dive in and talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about it. And maybe it's something that everyone listening can reflect on. Like, do you feel like you understand truly what you're worth in market today, whether you're in a corporate role, whether you run your own business, do you understand your value? And do you understand what that value could be? What price tag could you be putting on yourself? I think it's a very interesting question to frankly reflect on because a lot of the times, you know, we're very good at understanding what our friends are worth or our colleagues or our mentees, but we forget the value and the power that we actually have to negotiate for the money in the roles that we're doing because of the value that we contribute and we bring. What are some of the 
blockages, if you will? What are some of the things that we need to be mindful of that we need to address first before we can even start to recognise what our worth is? Are there some commonalities that you see uh, women can often get stuck on? Yeah, I mean, I think it all, you know, we have to go back in time, really, Anne-Marie, and, and take a bit of a history lesson back to, you know, it goes back to the patriarchy, to misogyny, the way that we were raised as little girls. You know, my mom is a school teacher and she even reflects on the way as a teacher you treat girls and boys differently in the playground, not because you're a bad human as a teacher, but because, for example, you know, the little boys might be running around, you know, jumping on the monkey bars, hanging upside down, sort of flailing about, having a great time. And back when mum was teaching at schools, little girls back then used to wear dresses or skirts and they'd jump on the monkey bars and be hanging upside down. And the teachers would come up and say, oh, darling, your, your knickers are showing, hop off. Just a yeah. subtle, you know, again, there's no malintention behind that, but just these subtle cues that we're given from such a young age that we're different, that we need to hold ourselves back, that our uniforms even, you know, for, at a really small level gave us a message that we couldn't do all the things that maybe, you know, our male classmates could do. Um, and we had to sort of slow down for the cross country because our skirt would fly up or whatever the case may be. So it's these really small little messages that we got throughout our entire lives. If anyone listening had a similar upbringing to me, I'm a child of the 80s, you know, and whilst on the one hand I was raised to believe that girls and women can do anything, also the media was telling me a different story. The government policies were telling me a different story. And even today, you know, as, as you mentioned earlier, right, like the UN is saying that we're 200 years from equality still, you know. So there's all these messages that we get and all of those messages en masse, of course, add up to questioning, add up to us questioning ourselves. Mm. And it's interesting that you say that because, you know, often what we do is we look outward and, and there are going to be situations and circumstances that we come up against that is out of our control. But one of the things that we do have control over is, you know, what are we telling ourselves? I remember years ago, and I can't recall the organisation that admitted it, and I know that the, the, the media didn't um, disclose who it was, but one of the top corporations here in Australia actually said, we tend to offer women less because they tend to accept the first figure that is given to them. So when I was in the career industry, and I'm sure you do this with your your clients, Maggie, is know that number, know what your wish is, know what your want is, and know what your walk figure is, know what is going on in the marketplace, and be mindful of you know, what the range is. So do you think that really we need to look inward to see is some of our beliefs or are some of our beliefs inhibiting us from really getting out there, valuing our worth and being able to showcase that as we negotiate our salaries? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we talk a lot about at Pep Talk Her with our students is this concept of the wish, the want and the walk figure. As you mentioned, there's a lot that we can't control in the world, in our career, in terms of we can't control unconscious bias. We can't control the mood that our boss is in that day. We can't control if we're in a recession. But what we can control is how we prepare ahead of a salary conversation. We can control how regularly we track our successes um, so that we can reflect on those when it comes to performance review time. And that's the entire reason why we built the Pep Talk Her app and why we keep it free because it's part of our impact work. We want everyone listening to be using the app because it's kind of like, you know, it's like a period tracker or a Fitbit, but instead of tracking your cycle or your exercise, it tracks your career wins, right? Yes. And it puts all of that data in one place 
so that you kind of have that, you know, like brag book to kind of fall back on when you're maybe nervous ahead of a big meeting. Or if you're feeling a bit anxious about your salary conversation, you can just reflect on that app, all of the wins in the one place to make it easy for you to remember just how awesome you are. Because, you know, even when we get external praise, we often discount it, you know, or we don't internalize it. And so the purpose of kind of slowing down, recording those wins, screenshotting the emails with the positive feedback and putting them in the pep talker app is to remind yourself and use that nudge theory that actually you are pretty amazing. You're pretty awesome. You've done some great things. Sure. You make mistakes. We all do, but on balance, you've had amazing successes and they deserve to be rewarded. Yeah. I love that idea. You know why? Because when I reflect back when I worked in the career industry, one of the things that we would often find with um, people who were then looking for other jobs, they tended to wait until a circumstance forced them to find another job. They might have been made redundant or there was changes and they just couldn't stand working in that same environment. And then it was a mad scramble to compile all of the things that they'd been doing. And life goes on, doesn't it? Life is busy. So often we forget to track uh, what was going on. And if we do that at the time, keep it all in that one place, we're able to go back and uh, update resumes and all the other things that we know that we need to do. And it also does remind us how often do we rush from one project to another without actually stepping back and looking at what did we do, what impact did we have, and what has that result now been for our organisation, the people that we work with. We don't tend to do that very often, do we, Maggie? No, we don't do it enough. And, you know, I'm sort of reminded my grandpa used to always say, stop and smell the roses. Um, and I take that literally, like I live in Manhattan now in New York city. And I, I, every time I see a rose bush, it's kind of annoying for my partner and my baby because I always stop and smell the roses because they're beautiful. And also it reminds you to slow down. And I think, you know, you can sort of apply that to your career too. When you have a success or a, a great project, like just stop for a minute and let's just take that in. And maybe you need to like praise your colleagues or your boss who kind of worked with you on that. Because, you know, we're always like more, 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 like the next client, the next lead, the next deal. Um, and that's great. And I'm here for it. And obviously I want all of our ambitious, um, ambitious listeners to have huge success. But if you don't sort of accept and acknowledge the successes along the journey, then that destination can always seem further and further away, right? So for <laughs> me, the destination, like, sorry, the, for me, like that, that journey process is kind of the destination. Do you know what I mean? Like I try and just like enjoy those small rose smelling moments career wise as I go along, because that is such a more enjoyable process than sort of sitting here and like, oh, in five years, I'll celebrate or in seven years, I'll celebrate, you know. That's a great approach to have, I think, because so many of us, and I can say myself included, we're Mm -hmm. so focused on that goal and outcome, we forget to celebrate all the milestones. And sometimes, you know, the milestone or the goal um, changes because of certain circumstances. It's like, you know, math um, would say, don't just write the answer down, show your calculations, because you may still get some marks for the calculations even though the the you know the answer was wrong and in a situation of career life and Mm -hmm. business the destination may be different Mm -hmm. than what we had assumed because the original destination was not really the best for us and we end up in a place that we had no idea but we followed those successes and they've showed us where we shine yes yeah and it's like what they what do they say there's this great quote and I wish I could remember it verbatim Anne-Marie but it's basically like you know when you reflect on your career journey when you look back all those twists and turns and quote unquote wrong turns mm. make sense. Like they were wrong at the time. They were disappointing at the time. It was hurtful at the time, but with hindsight, what a wonderful thing. Right. And you know, if I hadn't found out that I was being paid less than my male journalist colleagues, 
I, I may not have migrated to the United States, you know, like who knows, my life would look very different. And so I think actually taking the space to actually just reflect, and again, maybe this is something our listeners can do today is just like, is there a pivot point in your career that you can actually reflect on and think, you know, I was so disappointed I was overlooked or I was so upset when I was made redundant or when I got fired or sacked. However, now 5, 15, 15, 50 years down the track, actually, I can see that that led me to where I am today. And I hope for our listeners that that's actually been a fruitful process, albeit difficult at the time, no doubt. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I think, you know, we can only control our attitude and our response to these twists and turns that our career takes us on, which in so, in so many cases are out of our control, particularly for women and yes. people from marginalised communities, you know. Yeah. So true. I mean, you've um, shared how important it is for us to continue to track and monitor because then we confirm um, all of the things that we've been able to contribute to. And when we're talking about setting ourselves up for, for, for performance reviews or even opportunities um, to step up in, or maybe a role on a project that you've really wanted to, one of the things, and I'm sure you've heard this too, there may be a list of 10 requirements. And often you hear if a woman, a woman has only got eight of those, well, it's not, you know, not for me. Yet a man might see that. And of course, I'm generalising. There are, you know, both both sides of the camp can have this this issue too because I've spoken to a lot of men who go, we actually feel a lot like you too. Uh, Sometimes we just don't show it. We, we're better at not showing it, which is my point. Some men will go, yeah, no worries at all. I can learn that kind of a thing and put themselves yeah. forward. How often do you find yourself encouraging and empowering women to say, put your ring in the hat, throw your ring in the hat, so to speak, uh, because yeah. you've got the opportunity there. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes back to confidence, doesn't it, in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, these all of these conversations are so important and it's my last work and all that sort of stuff. And yet I also, I also just want to acknowledge for anyone who's listening, you know, if you're having these feelings of I don't belong, I'm not good enough, some folks term it imposter syndrome, I just also want to acknowledge that it's actually not your fault, right? That this is that this is a result of what society, the media, the workplaces for so many generations have told us these, you know, um, these, these, these subtle signals that we've been given have led to this situation we're in now. And it's interesting, you know, a, a majority of the community at Pep Talker identifies as female, but I will say we have had um, at least one male identifying student go through our group coaching program. Um, and interestingly, he was telling me he's gay and he was telling me that a lot of his gay friends also experience imposter syndrome in the workforce, which I, which I thought was very interesting um, when he explained that to me. And so, yes, I hear from a lot of women that there are experiences where they don't feel good enough or they're not ready yet. Mm. And I think a quote that's kind of helped me, and when I reflect back, Emery, on my career, you know, I think I try not to have regrets, but equally, if I could tell my younger self something, it would really be like you are enough and you have you're ready for that next step. Mm. You know, I think often we're waiting for someone to give us permission or we're waiting for like an MBA or we're waiting for some number or title to kind of go for it. And I just kind of think the quote for me that sort of shifted everything was leap and the net will appear. Mm. And I love that because sometimes you have to take a leap of faith and you might not get that job and you might get rejected. And you know what? Rejection is just redirection. And that's exciting, right? Because yes. that's where growth happens and new opportunities. And I remember back when I was a correspondent, I applied for a job. I was definitely out of my depth and too young, but I just threw my hat in the ring and I didn't get the job. 
But I did get a mentor who genuinely has um, contributed to, I mean, at least three of my roles that I've had in my career, right? Mm -hmm. And so had I not applied for that job, he wouldn't have known who I was or potentially what I was capable of or seen my potential, which I couldn't see in myself. You know, so I think also finding your champions and your cheerleaders, surrounding yourself with yourself with people who do respect you, who do see your possibility, even when you don't see it in yourself is helpful because they can cheer you on, you know, when you're having a bad day, which we all do, those folks you can lean on to kind of support you and get you through. Yeah. And that's a beautiful reminder. Thank you for sharing that, Maggie, because uh, there may be organisations that you wouldn't want to end up working for anyway, because the the values, the culture of that company just would not fit, it'd be a good fit for you. And something that I've heard time and time again, was that, you know, if there are organisations and you can't find one, maybe you've got to, you are a champion to create an organisation that um, brings right. everything that you want and, and creates that community, such as what you said uh, earlier and we introduced you, you started Pep Talk Her out of frustration because there were things that you weren't seeing and experiencing within the workplace. So you thought, you know what, I'm going to stand up for this. I'm going to bring a voice, create a platform to inspire and empower others to, uh, to, to work towards that as well. So maybe, you know, we've got someone that is sitting in a workplace to say, you know what, you know why you're not seeing it? Yours is the platform to build because that voice is yours to share. Well, and I think that's true as well in terms of being a champion for others. So I think about myself, you know, I identify as a white woman um, and I, yes, have experienced inequality 100% and it sucks. Having said that, we know when it comes to the statistics in terms of the gender pay gap, it's terrible for mm. women across the board. It's around 15 to 20% in the Western world. But for women of colour, those data points are significantly worse Right. And so I really believe, Emory, that all of us actually have a responsibility to pay forward our privilege and the power that we have in the workforce. And we might not feel like it's much, but when we're in meetings and something that's said that's inappropriate, when we see behavior that's not okay, when we have capacity to create change or speak up or check in on someone afterwards, we actually have a responsibility to do that because yeah. it's very easy to say, well, that's HR's problem or that's the CEO's problem or, you know, all those kinds of things. But actually, you know, that's really just an excuse because all of us have capacity to influence and create yeah. change. And I think we forget that sometimes, especially in big corporate cultures and structures, but I, I don't kind of buy that. I actually think we need to put it back onto ourselves and say, well, what can I do? Yeah. This week at work. Well, us though, isn't it? We contribute. Actually, we're not saying something, not totally. even rallying around that person. That can make a world of difference knowing, hey, someone else saw this. I experienced it. Someone else saw this and said, yeah, that is not okay and speaking up. And together we really are better and able to really make that change. You know, something else yeah. that I often hear as well, and this is to do with, you know, contributing to the workplace. You might have come up with an idea or, or driven something. And then all of a sudden someone comes and takes it, runs off with it, and it's their idea and there's no recognition whatsoever. And it's like, how do we deal with that? But if other people have seen that, they can rally around that person and say, uh, actually, this person contributed to, to that. And, you know, so to make that aware and, and be aware to some of the leadership group if, if you know, that that is not the case. Do you 100%. find that that's something that women tend to struggle with too, ideas that are taken, they've shared things and it's not been they've not been recognized. Yeah. And like studies have shown this, right? When you are the only in a room, in a group, in a leadership committee, whatever, maybe in a company, you know, there might be folks with us today who are 
the only um, Indigenous person in a tech company. They might be the only Hispanic leader at, at a large SaaS, a SaaS company, right? And so whether you're a female or another minority and you don't have support around you, it's very lonely. And it's also a lot easier for other folks to steal your ideas and, and it's less likely that other people will back you up. And so what happens is, and Julie Bishop speaks very openly about this, um, the former Australian foreign minister, about when she was in cabinet, when she was the only woman in cabinet, she found that a lot of the time her ideas would get picked up by someone else three three minutes later, lo and behold. But when there were two in cabinet, all of a sudden they would sort of tag team and say, I'm just going to circle back there because Julie actually mentioned that earlier, you know, or whatever yeah. the case may be. And so, again, I think just being aware because, you know, unconscious bias is a terrible beast and we all have biases that we bring to our families, our friends, the workplace, our communities, right? And so by actually being very aware and conscious of how they're showing up, um, how maybe we're inadvertently hurting other folks um, mm. is really powerful. It's not always comfortable, I will say. It can be a bit um, awkward to reflect on, honestly. But again, it's through that uncomfortableness that we'll see growth and change. And I really believe that like those small ripples of change in behaviour will turn into a tidal wave of yes. change eventually, we hope. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's uh, our motto and our mission, you know, one episode, one podcast, one yeah. message at a time because yeah. someone will hear it, someone else will pick up. And, and sometimes there are other people who are saying that, thinking the very same thing and once they see someone else step forward, they go, yeah, you know, that's right. And then all of a sudden there's people coming out of the woodwork going, yes, they just needed that initial person who was courageous and brave enough to say, you know what, um, this is not this is not okay. We need totally. to address that. This. Totally. Do you want to dive in a little bit more to yeah. what we opened the show about that quote, your, your wish, your want and walk figure. Can you talk a little bit about that? What is the differences between those? Just to give yeah. some context so that we've got some kind of a firm idea on how we use that strategy next time we uh, are going for a pay rise? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, anyone who's listening can just sort of do a bit of a self-check on this. Like when I say the word negotiation, like, well, hang on, Anne-Marie, let's do it, you and I. When I say the word, if I said to you, okay, Anne-Marie, you have to go in and negotiate for a new corporate contract in five minutes, Yes. how would you feel? Well, my mind immediately goes to, okay, dot, 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 dot. You know, what are they looking for? What are we offering? What are the key points that that, that really are going to get them over the line? So I immediately go into um, strategy mode and thinking mode and, yeah. you know, am I prepared? <laughs> and that's that preparation phase, right? That is the most important thing. It's not sexy. It's not a quick fix. I don't have like, you know, a, a tablet that you can take that will make, you know, all of that go away. The reality is that when it comes to negotiation, the more prepared you are, firstly, the better you're going to feel walking in and that energy will be picked up, the more the, the more confident you're going to feel and the better result that you will gain, right? Because as you mentioned, Anna-Marie, straight away you were thinking, what does the other person need and want? What do I need and want? And what could some sort of a you know meeting in the middle look like potentially? And so when it comes to the wish, want, walk, the WWW numbers, we like to call them, it's basically doing some of the mental gymnastics before you step into that negotiation. So before yeah. you call the client, before you attend the sales meeting, before you walk into your boss's office to discuss pay, I need you to do some work beforehand, right? Ideally, you'd be using the Pep Talker app and you'd be tracking your successes every single week because if you do that, come performance review, you're going to have 40, 50 things like in one place that are awesome, that showcase how amazing you are, the value you've contributed, the money you've saved or made for the team. Mm -hmm. So that's powerful. 
Now, if you haven't got that, that's okay because the next best time to start is today, right? So you can reflect on, okay, what happened at work this week? Maybe if you've got a really good memory, you can be like, what happened at work last week, last month? But the reality is, is that like we all have memories that are not great because there's a lot of Netflix to watch. There's a lot of friends to catch up with. We've got other stuff in our brain, right? And so if you don't track those successes in the moment, it's a lot harder to recall the specifics, who said what, what were the percentage year on your increases, you know, how many SEO clicks did you increase the company's, you know, web presence by, et cetera, et cetera. So, so you want to do that. That's the first step. And then the second part of preparation is knowing your numbers. So knowing what is my wish figure, my want figure, and my walk figure. So let's start with the fun one. Wish, as you would expect, a dollar sign that you wish you would get paid, that you mm-hmm. wish your boss would say yes to, or you wish your corporate client would happily pay. So everyone can do this now. Think about your wish salary, like a dream salary. You can close your eyes and just think like, what would that look like on my tax return? What would that number be, right? So think about what, not not what you're getting paid now, not a little bit more, like a wish, like a lot, you know? I want you to think whatever number you're thinking and I want you to add GST at least, add tax at the very least. Add 10 or 20% to whatever you were thinking because I'm pretty sure you weren't thinking enough, right? Mm -hmm. So that's your wish number on one end of the spectrum then we can flip back down to the other end and that's your walk number. And that's the number where you're like, do you know what? I'm out. I'm not accepting this deal or I am begrudgingly going to take this pay increase, but I will start looking for another job immediately. Mm. It's essentially the number where you don't feel valued. You're not happy to jump out of bed and work hard for, right? It's a number that doesn't match up and, and align with what you know your value is. And then, of course, your want figure is somewhere between the two. It doesn't have to be equidistant in the middle. It's a number where you think it's really fair. You're excited to work hard for that amount of money and you think that there's a fair exchange of value, right? Mm -hmm. So if you've understood what those numbers are ahead of time, then all of a sudden when you walk into that negotiation or when you log into the Zoom, you feel much more prepared because when they immediately throw out a number that's bigger than your wish, Mm-hmm. straight away you're like okay we're cooking with gas that's where we're at I need to go higher you know straight away you can you can you know assess where you're at yeah. or straight away the number is significantly low you know that you're going to have to say straight up hey candidly we're really far apart in terms of the numbers so I just want to sense check is there an alignment here is there room to move with your budget because if not perhaps we're better off to circle back next financial year yeah. You know, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you've given an example because, you know, so often we think that a negotiation is they give a number, we accept or right. we don't. But often the case, it's no, it's not the case at all. We have the opportunity to go back and have the conversation. And sometimes it is because we're not prepared or we feel awkward in doing that. But it is a negotiation. And the language that you used was great. Hey, the figure that you had and the figure that I had for if I look and see what the role in entails or what the job entails versus you know what I what what it will be expected of of me I'm just wondering um, when I see what others are being paid for this um, the compensation seems to be a bit, bit of a gap so I'm wondering you know what would the difference are your expectations a little less you know the conversation around that have that conversation because and this is something that um, we used to stress all the time too an organization does not want someone working for them who feels undervalued and underpaid 100%. they are not going to bring yeah. their best to the table 
and the next time an opportunity comes across their path, they're going to take it. And that organisation is going to be stupid to think, hey, we can find someone else because the cost to them to find, hire and get someone up to speed is going to you know, 10 times more often the case, depending on how high up the, you know, the the leadership. And so uh, I think both sides of the table should um, compensate fairly and, 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 you know, remunerate fairly for what someone's worth. Well, and to your point, you know, when it comes to the preparation piece, um, if I don't accept this offer, how much will my company have to pay in recruiting fees to mm-hmm. hire another me? right? Say nothing of the fact that all of your institutional knowledge potentially will leave, you know, it'll take three to six months to hire, then someone has to train the new person up, which is annoying and takes 90 days. So, you know, really there's a brain drain of anywhere from three to 12 months when someone leaves a business, right? And so in many cases, candidly, it's cheaper for them to give you a pay increase than it is for them to recruit someone else. Yeah. But often we forget that because we give the employer all of the power, Right. And it goes both ways too. You know, I think certain companies, if you were asking for a pay increase in the middle of COVID, you had to read the room, right? Because some companies were not in a position to do that, regardless of how amazing you were. Right. And so I think it's all always about context and Maria and also thinking about non-monetary things as well. So give you an example. One of my friends in Melbourne, one of my clients, um, well, they've become a friend after being a client, but they um, worked in an architecture firm. And they were asked to, to be furloughed, I think, from 100% wages down to 60%. Mm. And she came to me for advice and we talked about it and she loves the firm. She wanted to stay. That's fine. But she still put in place boundaries. So that's what we talked mm. about. So we were like, let's review this in three months. And so let's schedule ahead of time a three-month touch base point. I'm happy to sign the contract for three months. And then let's revisit it again at six months. Yeah. So that you're not 12 months down the line still earning 60%, right? You want to actually... <laughs> It doesn't cost them anything to have a touch-based meeting with you in three months. But you've got to do some of that, as I say, those mental gymnastics ahead of time to say, well, what would they be willing to do? Are you open to me going down to four days a week as a result? Can I work remotely three days out of the five? Or, you know, like what else is valuable to you that's not going to cost them anything? That's fine. Happy to do it. Can I have three weeks at Christmas, a paid vacation instead of two? You know, like what else could you creatively come up with such that it's easy for the other party to say yes? Yeah, I love those ideas. I love those ideas. You know, what we would often say to organisations or to individuals who are starting up with startup organisations who may not have yet the capital to be able to pay is to negotiate those time periods because if you knew you could contribute and that contribution is going to ensure that the company continues to gain market share, then have that you know um in your contract to review three months six months whatever that may be you can do that in a business point of view too if you know that you're working with a client and at the moment they're stretched with funds you can say well look we'll start off with this we'll come back in in 90 days three months and then we'll review because you know that you're going to be able to help that organization or that client to uh increase uh, revenue which which ultimately can then be negotiated into your pay we could continue to talk about this for so long i know we've just but I think we've at least um, touched some of the key points that's going to get people inspired to say, you know what, I'm not going to cringe from negotiation, all yeah. of the things that um, Maggie has shared. And and certainly let's get a copy of uh, the app. Share a little bit more about people, how people can get that app, how yeah. they can connect with you, what's the best way. 
Absolutely, yeah. So the pep talk her app is on all of the app stores. Uh, Google very kindly did a feature on us recently, as did the Apple App Store, which was awesome. So yeah, it's free. You can download it, check it out. Let me know any feedback. Always happy to hear it. And don't be a stranger. I'm on LinkedIn as Anne Marie is as well. We're both very active on there. Uh, I'm on Instagram at pep talk her. So let me know your takeaways from today's conversation between Anne Marie and I. We would love to hear from you. Um, and let us know what you're going to do differently when you approach your performance review this year. Um, anyone who's wanting to, you know, really boost their confidence this year around how much to charge. We've also got a free challenge that I run personally twice a year. There's another one coming up super soon. So you can sign up to that peptalkher.com forward slash challenge. And I'm excited to stay in touch with the listeners. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. An absolute pleasure. All the best. Hey, it's Anne-Marie. Before I go, are you a coach or a consultant who feels like the world's best kept secret? Your experience is vast, yet secretly you're frustrated because despite all of your hard work, you're just not getting the visibility, the recognition or new clients you'd hope for and you don't know why? I've created a free resource that'll help you build visibility, generate leads and enroll dream clients with ease because you're seen as a trusted authority, even in a crowded marketplace. And you've Position yourself as the choice versus just a choice for your dream client. To get started, go to annemariecross.com forward slash gift. That's annemariecross.com forward slash gift. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.